Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the eighth Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Grant us, O Lord, we pray, that the course of our world may be directed by your peaceful rule and that your church may rejoice untroubled in her devotion. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Ecclesiasticus. In a shaken sieve, the rubbish is left behind. So too the defects of a man appear in his talk. The kiln tests the work of the potter. The test of a man is in his conversation. The orchard where the tree grows is judged on the quality of its fruit. Similarly, a man's words betray what he feels. Do not praise a man before he has spoken, since this is the test of men. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, It is good to give thanks to you. Lord, it is good to give thanks to you. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to make music to your name, O Most High, to proclaim your love is the morning and your truth in the watches of the night. Lord, it is good to give thanks to you. The just will flourish like the palm tree and grow like a Lebanon cedar. Lord, it is good to give thanks to you. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God, still bearing sap when they are old, still full of sap, still green, to proclaim that the Lord is just in him, my rock, there is no wrong. Lord, it is good to give thanks to you. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. When this perishable nature has put on imperishability, and when this mortal nature has put on immortality, then the words of Scripture will come true. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Now, the sting of death is sin, and sin gets its power from the law. So, let us thank God for giving us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Never give in then, my dear brothers, never admit defeat. Keep on working at the Lord's work always, knowing that in the Lord you cannot be labouring in vain. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Shine on the world like bright stars. You are offering it the Word of life. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus told a parable to his disciples. Can one blind man guide another? Surely both will fall into a pit. The disciple is not superior to his teacher. The fully trained disciple will always be like his teacher. Why do you observe the splinter in your brother's eye and never notice the plank in your own? 
How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the splinter that is in your eye, when you cannot see the plank in your own? Hypocrite. Take the plank out of your own eye first, and then you will see clearly enough to take out the splinter that is in your brother's eye. There is no sound tree that produces rotten fruit, nor again a rotten tree that produces sound fruit, for every tree can be told by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorns, nor gather grapes from brambles. A good man draws what is good from the store of goodness in his heart. A bad man draws what is bad from the store of badness. For a man's words flow out of what fills his heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So this week, just before we kick off into Lent, we get the last little bit of Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount, which often gets called the Sermon on the Plain. So the Lord puts a number of pictures in front of us. Luke describes them as um, parables. Now, you know, we would typically think of parables as being stories, but, but here we've just got these kind of rather funny paradoxical images. Listen up. Can one blind man guide another? Surely both will fall into a pit. So this paints a rather vivid picture in my mind, at least. And, you know, when I start to think about it, there there must be an interesting dynamic between these two men, which gives one the confidence to try and lead and the other the assurance that he should follow. Uh, And yet... We who look on from the outside recognise that they're as both as blind as each other and they're heading towards a pit that neither of them can see. It starts looking rather comical. What is it that convinces this blind man that he's able to perceive reality better than his other blind friend? So much so that he could lead them both. It would seem that a leader has underestimated or perhaps even forgotten his own blindness. Now, we might think that this is rather an unlikely circumstance, that a blind man could forget his blindness. And yet, clearly the Lord's not talking about physical blindness, but about an interior blindness. Far more common is the blindness that we would regard as a lack of self-knowledge. And one of the features of this lack of self-knowledge is that those who suffer from it don't know that they don't have self-knowledge. In other words, blind to the fact of being blind. So what's the remedy to this interior blindness? Well, it's the virtue of humility. Now, I've probably told you this before. Um, It's one of my favourites. I quote it often. Um, But St. Bernard of Clairvaux describes humility as having a love for the truth about oneself. It means being willing to see ourselves as we actually are, 
not as we would imagine ourselves to be. Because you know what? Our capacity for self-deception is extraordinary. So much so as to imagine ourselves capable of seeing reality when in fact we're just plain old blind. How easy it is for us to fool ourselves into thinking that just because we intend to be a certain way, therefore, that's what we become. It's easy for us to measure ourselves by what we would like to be true about ourselves rather than how we actually behave. Humility is a virtue which seeks to examine reality, the truth about ourselves. And you know what? That can be a painful and confronting experience. So often we'd rather remain locked in our own comfortable fantasies and our good intentions, imagining that they're much more concrete than they, in fact, might actually be. But the Lord reminds us that this is blindness which leads us to a pit. And not only that, a kind of obstinate blindness which just refuses to see reality as it is, and so much so, seeks to lead others down the same path that leads straight to a pit. You know, Jesus gives a very stark image about reality. Listen to this. There is no sound tree that produces rotten fruit, nor again a rotten tree that produces sound fruit, for every tree can be told By its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorns, nor gather grapes from brambles. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? And yet, gee, we really need this lesson from time to time, don't we? We can be charmed by a thick, green, bushy tree, maybe one that's in blossom. But if its fruit's bitter, big deal. If it doesn't yield a harvest, in what sense are we actually saying that it's a good tree? Now, I very much include myself in this category. (laughs) Because, you know, I'm very quick to justify myself on the basis of good intentions, much more than I am on the basis of good actions. How easy it is for us to kid ourselves into thinking that, you know, when we have good thoughts, therefore that must be a good thing. Yeah, sure, my diet's full of junk food, but, you know, I feel bad about it and I intend to go on a diet someday. How easy it is for us to congratulate ourselves for having had such noble thoughts. But it doesn't change anything. If the tree doesn't produce good fruit, in what sense can it really be a good tree? And there's just this this kind of really bracing line that comes from Jesus. Listen to this. A good man draws what is good from the store of goodness in his heart. A bad man draws what is bad from the store of badness. Our hearts are actually on display Because we can examine our actions. Not what I hope would one day be the case or something that I intend to do or or some thought about an action that, you know, I really should do and intend to do and, and therefore congratulate myself for intending to do it. 
I think here the Lord is kind of telling us, hey, hang on a second, the thought actually doesn't count. Certainly not to the degree that we hope it might. So the Lord presents us with the blind man who is unconvinced of his own blindness and who draws others along the perils of his own pride. But we've also got the second blind man, who knowing his own blindness recognises his need to be led, but who puts his faith in the one who is as blind as he is. This leads down into the pit too. The humble person will know his own weaknesses and need for guidance through life, but he needs to entrust himself to someone who can truly see the world as it is. Don't place your trust in another blind man. And so it's here that Jesus comes for the remedy. He is the one who opens the eyes of the blind. He is the one who is the way, the truth and the life who brings us along the way, according to the truth, but not into a pit, but into the fullness of life. So the disciple? The disciple's the one who is humble and knows his need for guidance in life, and the disciple is the one who knows to turn to Jesus as the one who heals the blind and leads us to everlasting life. It strikes me then that we kind of need to cling to him, Like the blind who need to hang on to someone's arm in order to find their way. And if we truly do grab Jesus by the arm, something extraordinary happens. What starts to grow is friendship and love and trust. You know, the Lord's not standing at a distance kind of shouting commands at us. Take a step left, turn right, take a step forward. It's not one of those little games that we play at, you know, year 12 school retreats or at, you know, corporate getaways. This isn't a trust exercise. This is life. Jesus is right next to us. He's there with us, walking alongside us. Let's acknowledge that he can see. And let's also acknowledge that... (laughs) We need leading. So here's the thing. We might not have a clear picture of the road that lies ahead. There's plenty of uncertainty around and, gee, the future's a bit opaque. Who knows where we're headed? Who knows what's going to happen? But we're never lost if we're with the Lord because he can see. And he's the one who can help us avoid the pitfalls. Now, is it always a smooth path that he walks us down? No, not at all. In fact, he reminds us that, you know, to be his disciple means to take up our cross every day and follow him. But where is he leading us to? Not just Calvary. He's leading us to where Calvary leads the fullness of life, the resurrection, the kingdom of God. Now, surely that should be reason enough to follow Jesus. But interestingly, who else are you going to attach yourself to? 
He is the way. And everyone else is kind of blind. Thanks for praying with us. And may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.